I'm Lisa Popchak, and you're listening to Momfidence, for moms at every age and every stage. Being a mom is wondrous and delightful, but also at times exhausting and overwhelming and confusing and frustrating. Momfidence is a place for moms to come for encouragement, comfort, some new tools, and the confidence boost you need to be the mom you want to be. Hi, moms. It's great to be with you again. Today, I want to talk about the idea of fostering a spirit of cooperation in and with our children. You know, our confidence as moms can easily just get eroded when we get caught up in power struggles with our children. These struggles can just be so exhausting and they really deplete our relationship with our kids and they really deplete us. When we actually think of the reality, though, of the term power struggles, when we apply it to our children, it's really quite laughable. The reality of the term power struggles just doesn't make much sense because our children, when we get real about it, have no power on their own. Think about it. They can't do or have anything unless it's facilitated by the adults who are raising them. They can't buy their food or pay for their home or the water or the electricity they're using or the clothing they're wearing. We, as parents, actually hold all the power, including the power to give the love and approval that our children so desperately crave from us. Yet because of our own fears, our woundedness, perhaps our past experiences, we often forget this, or we use it in a toxic and very unnecessary way. And we can get drawn into unnecessary struggles with our kids. We can lose our tempers, allow things to escalate, and that causes us to get caught up in the struggles rather than come to a mutually satisfying conclusion for everyone in the situation. When this happens, it shakes our confidence, our confidence in ourselves, and it weakens our greatest power, our connection to our children's hearts. I see this frequently in discussions about obedience that I see online, or even sometimes that we have with folks who call into our radio show, More to Life. Sometimes, when our confidence is waning, we think our children should just immediately hop to and do exactly as they're told without question. If the child hesitates, we might yell or lecture or drain our emotional bank accounts with our children over even small things. And I say this is happening when our confidence is waning, because we, if we were feeling confident as moms in that moment, we'd be able to handle it in ways that were logical and reasonable and might actually draw us closer together as mother and child than to separate us in such difficult ways. For example, I once saw a mom do just this kind of thing because her daughter did not jump up immediately to get a can of peas from the basement when told to do so by her mom, who was making dinner. The mom yelled and accused her daughter of being disrespectful, 
and rebellious, and they fought, and I'm not kidding, for three hours, until in tears the daughter was finally able to tell her mom that all she had wanted when she was asked and was hesitating was to be able to finish the algebra problem that she had been struggling with for over 15 minutes before she had to get up and go get the peas. Because her daughter had hesitated and mom was feeling tired and not confident, she just got into that power struggle with her child, with everything in her head saying that this child was being rebellious and should just hop too. Both the mom and the daughter in this situation had a lot of other stressors. Additionally, they were also tired and hungry because, you know, mom was making dinner. Almost every one of us, though, has been in a situation like this at some time. However, the mom went into the encounter with her mind preset to the idea that respect is shown through servile obedience, and that's what actually caused it to escalate even more. Now, servile obedience is the idea that someone of a perceived greater rank is owned unquestioned and immediate obedience simply because of their title or rank. And any hesitation or disobedience is met with harsh punishment. Servile obedience, however, is very, very different than Christian obedience. Christ taught us to obey God by making us, through his passion and death and resurrection, his friends and his brothers and sisters. Through his love for us, he taught us how to love and serve him in return. We share the dignity of God himself. Therefore, we are all children of God all meant to be working toward closer union with God and each other. We all are called to affirm and nurture the dignity of one another, not to lord power over each other. Seen in this light, obedience is really another form of intimacy, where one person attentively seeks out the needs of the other and lovingly fulfills them often without being asked, and certainly without being nagged. Christian obedience, as opposed to servile obedience, really presents a challenge to us. Obviously, Christian obedience is a good and desirable thing. And yet, we cannot demand obedience from one another, nor can we nag or whine or threaten or beat or humiliate it out of someone if it is to remain true Christian obedience. In fact, there is only one way Christian parents can command obedience from their children. That's the same way Jesus commands it of us, through an example of loving service. I can give you an example of where this happened and truly worked and bore beautiful fruit. And that's the example of St. Therese, the little flower, who wrote in her story of a soul that she never wanted to do anything to offend her parents because the love and the service they showered upon her compelled her to offer nothing less than her best behavior. 
her parents taught their daughters to serve the other members of the family by first setting the example of loving service to each family member and then teaching them how to do the same. When parents lead and instruct their children in this way, they're discipling their children to uphold the dignity of each person and therefore foster a spirit of cooperation in the family that allows each member to work for the good of the other members. Practically speaking, instead of yelling and demanding, we're listening to each other. We're also planning so that everyone's needs can be met and helping each other to live in a family of mutual love and service and cooperation. When we train ourselves to listen to each other with our eyes and our hearts, as well as our ears, we can have a sense of what our family members need from us. It also helps us to approach them with our needs with respect and appreciation. In the situation with the mom asking her daughter to go get the peas, if she had been listening with her eyes, as well as her ears and her heart, she would have been able to see that the daughter wasn't being disobedient or maybe even see that she wasn't being cranky because she was asked to get the peas from the basement. She was being cranky and hesitant because she was in the midst of doing something that was really hard for her, that algebra problem. And she would have been able to work something out with her daughter. Hey, honey, you don't seem to be able to do this right now. What's going on? Would have been the first question. And then she could have said anything that would have made the situation go better from, well, hey, can you grab the peas as soon as you're done with that problem? Or since you're going to be a while on that problem, but you're doing your work at the kitchen table, can you make sure this doesn't boil over while I run down and get the peas? There are about a thousand ways that she could have handled it if she wasn't going in to the situation with that preconceived notion that immediate obedience is what a mother or father is due because of their rank, that servile obedience. Instead, if she was fostering that discipleship relationship with her daughter and trying to meet all the needs of the family, not just getting the meal on the table, but seeing what her daughter needed, making sure she was being loved and appreciated as a mom while she was doing all that work, but that equally everyone in the situation was being respected and cared for, the evening would have gone a lot better. Planning as a family for some time to work and play and talk and pray together every day keeps us connected and balanced and helps us to avoid the burnout that can lead to getting on each other's nerves, especially in the kinds of situations I was just talking about, or that can come up a zillion times a day in a busy, tired family. Moving into each phase of the day by checking in with each other's needs and hopes for the day, and checking to see what we can do to help each other balance our expectations with the expectations and realities that each member of the family is dealing with helps us to keep in sync with each other rather than stepping on each other's emotional toes and expectations. 
This can be done with a discipleship idea of parenting your children and being able to care for each other in lots of ways throughout the day in a way that's mutual. So none of us get used, all of us get appreciated, and all of us feel loved and respected. If this way of life seems desirable, but you don't know how to begin to implement it in your own family life, you can find help and support at the Catholic Home app. That's Catholic H-O-M app, or at catholichom.com, as well as at catholiccounselors.com for more in-depth assistance. Additionally, you can listen and call in to More to Life on the radio every day, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern on AveMariaRadio.net or EWTNRadio.com. We're here for you to help you be the confident mom, the mom who loves her children and is loved back in a powerful and godly way in lots of different ways every day. So feel free to stop by anytime in all of these places so that you can grow into the confident mom that you want to be. Thanks for joining me today for this confidence moment. If you want more encouragement, come on over to momfinance.org for the blog and other confidence-boosting resources.